welcome to the 91st annual Talking Tropes Oscar debate with your hosts, Hannah and David. Uh, hi, how's everybody doing tonight? Um, bet you're doing not as bad as Donald Trump. Uh, this is the kind of banter you want. Womp womp. Oscars, stifled laughter. He- this is the kind of banter you, you demand. Big musical number. <laughs> It's the Oscars! I wrote a song, it's called Roma. (laughs) Okay, what's your song Roma about? Roma. It's so dull, it put me in a coma. (gasps) Wow, alright, we're gonna fight tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Alright. Roma. Alright, alright. Not the best film of Alfonso Cuarona. We're talking about the Oscar noms. The Oscars happened last night. We're talking about them before the Oscars. So we Yeah, because we already know who won, and we're not going to tell you because, like, it's cheating. Oh, I want to know who won. Yeah, but we're not going to tell them. Okay. We talked to the Academy. They filled us in. Um, But we're going to talk about all the losers. Yeah. Which is all of them. <laughs> not the one worst. good film in the bunch this time. Yeah. Sorry to say. So bad. No, not at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's start talking about the best picture noms. Um, yeah. Is there... Let's start talking about the best picture noms. All right. So nominated, we've got Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorite, Roma, Green Book, A Star is Born, and Vice. Um, are there any of these that you didn't see? Uh, I did not see Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, darn. Me either. <laughs> but I heard good things. But my brother saw it, and he said that the the performance was bad, the movie was bad, and the teeth were the worst part. No. Oh. Rami Malek has big fake goofy teeth. fake teeth yeah. to try and look more like Freddie like Mercury. Mercury. I, one thing I noticed uh, among all the best picture noms, a lot of musicals. Um, I I balk at the characterization of this as a lot of musicals. There's Bohemian three Rhapsody of them. had some songs in it. Okay. And A Star is Born is, like, everything in that is diegetic music. Yeah. Which, if you don't know what that means, is, like, they're actually singing it in the the world of the movie. Yeah. And then, you know, you think about, like, I think it was two years ago that La La Land was nominated, and that was a big, big musical. Yeah. I don't know. I would also, I don't know, Green... Like, there's a lot of music in all of these movies. It was just a theme that I was noticing watching them all sort of like back to back a little bit. But really just Bohemian Rhapsody and A Star is Born, no? Green Book. He's a fucking pianist. Oh, yeah. I don't think about that movie as like a music movie. I think about it as like a fried chicken and racism movie. Well, I mean, yes. Um, <laughs> God, there was something else, too, that, that I watched for this. And I was like, is this like a music? musical? Or there's like a lot of music in this. Um, I mean, Black Klansman had really great music. Yeah. Black Panther had an amazing soundtrack. Yeah. Um, the favorite had like this very, you know, uppity violin chorus. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, did Roma... Roma was really quiet, which is why I fell asleep. Oh my god, 
All right. Well, let's start. Let's, I guess, start with Roma. Um, I loved this movie. I don't know why you thought it was boring. Like, it's slow, but it was. It's, well, I mean, this, you just said it. It's really slow. It's not premise driven. It's just like a snapshot of, like, you know, a year in the life of these people. I was not like a, a lot though. of inherent conflict in it. Oh, that was the other thing. Everything on this list is like, except for Black Panther is like, and I guess A Star is Born is like historical in some way. That's pretty common, I feel like, for... um, For Best Picture? For Best Picture, yeah. Uh, I mean, like, usually like period pieces get nominated, but like, it's like, there are a lot of, like, it was all over the map, you know? It's true. I I do. I do feel. Yeah, it's very a a backwards looking Looking. year for for film. Except for Black Panther. (laughs) Except for Black Panther, which is future looking. Yeah, sort of. But we don't usually see future looking films on uh, on the best picture thing because they're too genre, too genre. Or superhero movies, for that matter. Um, right, but I'm yeah, I'm just yeah. I'm broadening it even more. Like you yeah. don't even see Star Wars's or, <laughs> you know, blockbusters or, or sci-fi. Yeah. You don't see Blade Runners. No. You know, critically acclaimed, yes, but Best Picture, no. And that's sort of like I think what I want this conversation to be about is like, what makes it an Oscar movie? Why why do the Oscars exist? Why don't they burn and die and never <laughs> be spoke of again? Yeah. You know, these are the questions I want to ask. Yeah. Um, I think that's fair. Um... <laughs> I know why Roma was nominated, because it's in black and white, and it's directed by but I didn't Alfonso hate... Cuaron, I didn't and hate... there's some imagery in it that's symbolic. It's there's, not literal. There's a lot of symbolic imagery in it, but I oh, thought man, it was Oh, man, it wasn't all... literal when that earthquake happened. It was, like, non-literal. It was, like, a metaphor. Yeah. Um... I'm rolling my eyes. You can't see it. Okay, great. <laughs> I don't know. I really liked the movie. I, I don't I don't know what to tell you. I like premises, Hannah. I like a movie with a premise. You okay. know what I mean when I say okay. that? Or does that I mean, is there that was certainly an arc in this movie. You know, you like arcs. Yeah, well, I fell asleep during the arc. <laughs> That's part of it. So I didn't get the complete Roma arc. Yeah. Uh, I fell asleep. Yeah. Um, um which... so that that didn't help it. But I mean you gotta keep me you gotta keep me engaged, Quarone. Mm-hmm. Alfonso, wake me up inside. <laughs> wake me up inside. <laughs> uh bring out the MNF Evan oh my god, Evanescence, jeez. Evanescence. Oh boy, guys. It's been a long Can day. Can somebody do a band that's a crossover of Eminem and Evanescence <laughs> called Eminemence? <laughs> I would pay money for that mashup. Um, David, what do you think's gonna win then? Not Roma. Uh, the I favorite. Guess. The, the favorite's favorite? gonna win, no question. Ugh, it shouldn't. Why? You don't like the favorite? I liked it. I don't know. Why? Why is it gotta <laughs> win? Well, um, for one thing, something that I think is really great about it is that it's a fully majority female cast where all three of the major players in the story are female. That's true. Um, and it's not heavily, you know, like, pointed at. Like, it's not like everyone in the story is pointing at it and going, like, look, look, woman, woman movie. It just sort of is naturally that. Something that I stumbled across while researching the Oscars was this, like, weird stat that, like, for all the Best Picture winners of the last, like, 30 years, women speak for less than, like, 15% 
uh, of the, the, the dialogue in the film. Right. Um, it, it's just like a weird, bizarre stat. And like it even works for movies like, um, you know, Million Dollar Baby where the lead is female because they're still surrounded by male characters. Mm-hmm. And like it was one thing, um, The Shape of Water wasn't on the list, which I just love that movie. So I'm using this as an excuse to talk about it. Hey, I love Shrek too. You know? <laughs> I'm, I'm fully on board. The I love Shrek romance, train. Shrek. Um, well, I guess Shrek is just romance anyway. Never mind. Yeah, no, the, the whole movie, it's Shape of Water, is just Shrek. Shrek. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, but, like, the, that is very, like, the protagonist is female, and it very much centers on her and her desires and wants, but she's mute and doesn't speak. So, like, even in that. Right, but the villain is male, yep. and the mm-hmm. best friend is male. Uh-huh. And, and they talk to their male bosses. There's a male love inst- interest for the male best friend. There's male Russian agents. Mm-hmm. Lots of men. It just seems like if you've got a female-led story, you know, it, you tend to surround them with more maleness. Yeah. Like, even, like, a, a movie that was, um, you know, directed by a woman, The Hurt Locker, has an all-male cast. Right. It seems like kind of this inescapable thing. Well, so, like, on that front, I think Roma also has a very strong female presence. Um, sure, but I just is it's a snorefest is the problem there. I don't think it is a snorefest. <laughs> I was engaged the whole time. Like <coughs> I don't know. I'm usually also very easily bored by movies. Like I feel like I'm gonna get hate mail for saying this, but like I didn't love Moonlight. I found it really boring. Um, uh, I can get that. I just feel like there's a lot of really tense conflict in that movie and fear for your life and like romantic tension and but it just gets boring after a while well like that much tension bores me i don't know but like i i found as someone who is often bored by quote-unquote oscar-y movies i was not bored by roma i found it engaging i found but like what's the plot the plot is a girl gets pregnant And then doesn't want to be pregnant at the end. That's the plot. Right. But what happened in between those two plot points? Those are plot points. That's that's not a plot. She she deals with her boss's divorce and caring for children and political turmoil happening in the background during Mexico. Like, I don't know. It's just not very premise driven, Hannah. No, it's not premise driven. But that's fine. Just because you can't get behind it doesn't mean it doesn't have value. Yeah, but also I think I, I think that the the uh, awards that do have a bias against um, foreign films with foreign uh, that's you know, true. actors, foreign language films, I agree. very very rarely you know even get nominated for best picture, let alone win. Right. Um, so that's why I think the favorite, the favorite, right? That's think, the one that's going to win. Yeah, Not necessarily know. the one that deserves to win, but it's the one that's going to win. Uh, I I think if I I kind of want Roma to win. If Roma doesn't win, I would honestly not, love Black Klansman to win. Um, I'm not asking what you want, Hannah. I'm I asking know. what's gonna happen. I don't know, David. What's gonna happen? Tell me the future. Forsoot foreseeth me. You think it's the favorite. It doesn't really make any sense to do our predictions since this is coming out the day after. I don't know. The Green Book fucking swept the, uh, or not swept, but had a couple wins at the Golden Globes. I think that's a contender. You know, make white people 
feel good. If Green Book wins, then no more Oscars. That's that's okay. got to be the end of it, right? Yeah, yeah. My brother pointed to me um, this, like, I can't remember if it was a tweet or if it was something that he said, but, like, the Green Book is, like, a super progressive movie in the 60s. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's so outdated. It's the I would call it Bill O'Reilly's favorite movie of all time, which oh it might gosh. literally be. Yeah. He's definitely commented on it and been like, if millennials don't like the Green Book, then they're the real racists. Oh, boy. In which case, I'm happy to be because the <laughs> Green Book is awful. Yeah, it's just. It's just almost shocking that we're getting this like white savior like narrative of this man's like life. But it's not just a white savior narrative, Hannah. I mean it's, it's not the just. white racist savior where literally like his main characterizing like thing is he starts is that out he's racist, a loudmouth racist. But then he's not racist at the end. Well he's less racist. <laughs> Um, I, but I've been hearing like lots of praise of the Green Book from dun dun dun, my parents. Yeah, they liked it. I mean, I I see where people are fooled. It's just it's a fool. It's tricking you. It's making you think. It's a fool. It is. It's it's making you think it's saying or doing things that it's not actually doing. You know, like what? Like it's trying. It's like, look how progressive we are. And the racists can just change if they talk to a black person. And like, you know, it, it's just I just think the real message of this movie is like, embrace your stereotype, embrace your stereotype. Don't worry about like if people call you, you know, a stereotype or treat you like a stereotype. You got to embrace your own, you know, what other people characterize your race as being. Don't not eat fried chicken just because someone tells you that black people like fried chicken. You gotta, if you're Italian, you better eat a ton of hot dogs. Yeah. My favorite thing about Green Book, I'm going to say that like two more times before this podcast is over. <laughs> my favorite thing about Green Book is that there's two separate scenes where um, where the, the, the guy, what's his name? Vigo Mortensen picks up a drink. Starts drinking it and then just turns it upside down until there ain't no more to drink. And that's what a man does. When he starts drinking milk, he doesn't stop drinking that milk until the milk's empty. <laughs> that's that's the Green Book's version of masculinity, in case you were wondering. Eating and drinking a lot. I'm yeah. punching, guys. My other favorite thing about the movie is that scene. Do you remember that? Do you see the movie? Yeah, I did see the movie. You remember that scene at the end of the movie where, like, the cops were pulling them over? Yeah. And Viggo Mortensen's like, you fucking cop. I hate cops now because of this trip. I hate cops. Yeah. Cops are the devil. Black lives matter. <laughs> and then the cop, like, leans in the window and says, like, your left, your left rear tire's flat. Yeah. Blue lives matter. Fuck you. I know. Blah, 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 blah. That, not all cops. Not all cops. That, not all cops. And that then he really runs off was into the night. The worst part of the movie. Like, if I had any doubts before that point about what this movie was really trying to do, despite its pretenses, like that was the moment when I it just like <laughs> was crystallized. You know, like like you could this, see hashtag not all cops appear in uh -huh. big red and black letters on the screen. Like, not. <laughs> It's us good northern cops. 
you know, like, fuck off. No, I don't even know if that was supposed to be the, the like, well, the thing. I think it was supposed accent. to be, like, there's good cops and bad cops, man. Well, you know, like, all the bad cops are Southern, and all the good cops don't have Southern accents. Remember that other scene with cops where, like, they specifically put a black cop there yeah. to, to be, like, guys, See, look, this one, this one isn't about race. This it's is the homophobia. gay one. homophobia. Yeah, what this is, is the one where they get arrested for gay. What did you think about that scene? <laughs> what? What? What's there to think? The gay scene. I don't know. Just like his non-reaction to any of it. It's like it just feels so fake. Like they don't even have a real conversation about it. He's just hey, like he's like, hey, look, don't you, run you off. Get up to what you get up to in your bedroom. I get up to mine. Well, it's just like, he's just like scolding him. For, like, it's so paternalistic, especially in that moment. Like, all the times that he wanders off, he's never like, wow, those guys were assholes. He's always like, you black silly man, you shouldn't run off. Stay where I can see you. I just had the most important thought, which is, is there green book slash fiction? Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> That's the most important thought I've had. Which is even better because they're real people with a real relationship. Yeah. Ugh. I feel like... I feel like that's why this movie thinks it can get away with what it does is because it's like, but it's real. It's based on reality. It happened. Yeah, but it's written by the son of the guy. I know. The, the Italian man. Uh-huh. <laughs> he was, there's Tony Lip, and then there's Lil Lip, and mm. Lil Lip wrote this movie so that he could be like, my dad wasn't that racist. He got better. He had a black friend. He loves his black friend. <laughs> the best friends now. Oh, man. Like, I knew that at the end of the movie, like, there was going to be a big climax where, you know, where the, you know, the, the main guy played by Mahershala Ali would would play white music and it would be like this big moment where he's like he's done what he's trained to do what i wasn't expecting is a scene where he then plays the black music that he judged so much and he loves it you know yeah. why because that's his culture and you gotta love your culture and i'm like ah, oh, this is so gross this is slimy yeah. yeah it feels very preachy and just the most bizarre Way. Like imagine if it was like a Jewish person in that role, then like at the end of the movie he would have to like eat like a big thing of gefilte fish <laughs> and like he'd be like, oh man, I never ate gefilte fish because I was worried about being called Jewish. Yeah. And then he eats gefilte fish and he's like, oh man, it's so fucking good. And then he sings some prayers, does some fiddler on the roof. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he becomes a fiddler on the roof at the end he gets the starring role and then like starts hoarding wealth oh, because boy. like he used to not be stingy he used to spend a lot of money oh, very lavishly because he doesn't want to be seen as stingy but then in the end he's like wait maybe, maybe. i do need to start a savings account <laughs> like it just it just doesn't work no matter no. how you slice it or who you no. put in that role like the implication that you have to be stereotypical is so gross all right well david what do you think the purpose of the oscars are uh to glorify people's egos i mean is that or to make money like what do you mean yeah i mean like both like I, you know for entertainment to sell ad time to like sell more dvds but people don't really care about the oscars as an as an entertainment thing i mean like i, I, mean, I don't think people really show up for the jokes they want to see who won yeah i mean for sure but like award shows get viewerships and yes that's declining like we're not 
like no award show has ever pulled in like Super Bowl numbers, but like people watch, you know? Sure. Enough. People watch. I watch for entertainment. I do it less now. I think a lot of people watch watch for, you know, the same reason they watch reality TV for, you know, um vicarious fame and and fortune. They like to see a bunch of people wearing tuxedos and fancy dresses living the high life. Yeah, I I agree. So it's to stroke their egos, basically. Everyone's just ego stroking. Sure. It's the Oscar bait of masturbate. Is that so wrong? <laughs> Is masturbation so wrong though? No. I mean if they if they want to do it, that's fine. I just think like it's like weird that people <laughs> put a lot of like weight into it. And I think it's weird that, like, people get really excited that Black Panther's on this list. Because, like, who the fuck cares? I mean, people who have been traditionally excluded from these lists. Like, you know? Well, okay, but, like, it's not, I don't think, you know, black people haven't been excluded from the list necessarily. It's just they're vastly underrepresented, which they still are. Yeah. You know? Nothing's changed there because Black Panther gets put on there. But it's a dr- it's a drop in the bucket. But you need a few of those to start collecting some water. You know. I guess I don't know. I just thought Moonlight was a much better film than <laughs> than Black Panther. That's fair. I didn't love Moonlight. I loved Black Panther. I'm excited Black Panther's on here, you know? It's not, I don't think Black Panther's going to win Best Picture. All right. But, okay, then on another level, you have to think about, like, what do we mean by Oscar? What do we mean by Best Picture? What makes a picture a Best Picture? Sure. I mean... Let's list the qualities that make you best. Uh, Good acting, first... Maybe not first and foremost, but definitely good acting, you know? It's definitely a big part of it, but there's other awards for Best Actor That's or Best true. Actress. I think it's, so, it's the culmination of... Of all of those things, you know? I've like, heard Best Picture described as a producer's award. Mm, that's, that's why the true. producer literally gets to pick it up. They yeah. get to collect it. Okay. So Kevin Feige, Feige, whatever his name is, he would be getting Black Panther's award mm-hmm. because he's the Marvel Universe weaver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the dream um, weaver. Um... <clears throat> But yeah, yeah, it's a producer's film, it's or a producer's award. It's for bringing all the peoples together. Uh, well, but what does that mean though by producer's award? Like, wow, you did a good job making this film happen. Here's an award. It means that the like you said, it's it, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Right. Like everything comes together. And in that sense, I don't feel like Black Panther is that. I feel like it's very clearly you've got a you've got a director who was very good at his job, who turned, you know, kind of an okay script into, like, a really entertaining, culturally defining film. Okay, so you don't love the script. That's an area where... The script is fine. It's just, it's a Marvel script. I mean, it's not, it's not art, like... Why not? It's, well, it's, well, it's low art. It's just not, it doesn't have complexity or depth. It's just a Marvel movie where people punch fight... And they fly in helicopters and blow shit up right on rhinoceros. I think they're part of the <laughs> I think part of the reason why it's on this list is because it has more complexity than your average Marvel movie. It's got a really direct political message, which sure. was also in Civil War and also in um the the what was it, Winter Soldier? I mean, these are very overt political messages, but that doesn't make it art. I mean, okay. What what makes these other films art then? Or are there other ones that you would eliminate from the capital A art? 
<laughs> I would say complexity, depth, and humanity, a reflection on the works that come before it, a, a sense of, you know, poetry and lyricism. I don't know. Um, I, I think you could totally describe Black Panther as that. I don't know if you specifically do, but I, I bet we could find people who would describe it that way. I don't know if I'd call Black Panther lyrical. Really? By, by lyrical, I mean, you know, in the way that you have you know, contrast and, um, and, and complexity between, you know, it's hard to describe lyrical. I mean, but basically it's the favorite. The favorite is lyrical. Yeah. That's why I'm saying it's not everything is there to be a hundred percent literal. Things are there for contrast. Um, things are there that represent multiple things and really human things and very complex political things, but not direct one-to-one parallels. Okay. So an Oscar Best Picture winner should be complex. It shouldn't be simple to understand. Right. But I disagree with that. Well, uh, if that were the case, we would just award the film to whichever one made the most money, which would be (laughs) Black Panther. I mean, I, I don't think it needs to be that, but I don't think we also have to say that just because something's more complex, it's more deserving of no, it's it, the complexity has to resolve in something meaningful. It can't just be complexity for complexity's sake. Otherwise, you know, the award would always go to like David Lynch. <laughs> yeah, I think the award should go to Spike Lee because Spike Lee took a bunch of disparate elements, historical fi- or his- historical truth, mm-hmm. um, black exploitation, his own oeuvre, um, and you know action movies and comedies and sort of folded them into each other along with this critique of, you know, the culture of, of, of film worship where you have that scene where they're all watching birth of a nation Mm -hmm. and it has all of this political commentary, but it's also social and human commentary about, you know, what makes us who we are. I don't know. Black Klansman is a a movie movie for moviegoers. Sure. And it's, it's got a vision. It does. And it's got, lyricism whereas black panther it's like it's another marvel movie its vision is money its main goal is to make money yeah all right i mean not every movie has a goal to make money on some level but i mean know, yeah the <laughs> black black panther is really good at making money and black klansman is less so <laughs> what about some of these other nominations like bohemian rhapsody a star is born i i think i know why a star is born is on here i've thought about it a lot yeah I think A Star is Born is on here because people like overlapping dialogue and they think it's hard to do, but it's not. (laughs) All right. I think that's fair. I think it's also on there because it made people cry. I feel like you're supposed to cry during an Oscar movie at some point. But Up makes people cry. Toy Story 3 makes people cry. These aren't Oscar movies because they're animated. They're for kids. Well, I mean, the animation ghetto is its own whole thing um sure but like i don't think pure emotion is what makes something a a, a, no best picture nominee i agree but like i think that is an element of them and i think if anyone cried at a star is born it's really the music more so than the writing or filmmaking sure but like Like, that's bradley cooper as a director like what is he really doing he's not (laughs) He's not breaking any new ground or doing things in, like, a classic way. He's yeah. just kind of, like, trying his best. Mm-hmm. 
And like the acting, I mean, Lady Gaga is not an actor. <laughs> She's a great pop star, fantastic, not an actor. I mean, some people, some people liked her. Did you I, like her? Eh, she's fine. I mean, she's nominated for Best Actress. Like, Why, though? I, I don't know. They liked her. Someone you, liked her. You remember? You, you saw Star is Born. Yeah. You remember that scene in the beginning where Bradley Cooper's like, I like you better without your eyebrows? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like it's like the like equivalent of those creepy guys on facebook who yeah. are like you know you'd look better without all that clown makeup Ugh, but God. saying it about someone's eyebrows yeah that's their meat cute it's just it's here's the thing it's not my kind of movie necessarily yeah but it's it's a bad movie but... so it wouldn't be <laughs> All right. Well, what about Vice? I haven't seen. I didn't get a chance to see Vice. Um, Vice was okay. It was. It was pretty. I mean, it, it didn't hold up to like the Big Short. Did you see the Big Short? I didn't see the Big Short either. You should see the Big Short. That's the better version of Vice. Okay. <laughs> um, Vice. It's not a really a biopic because it's it's Adam McKay is creating these sort of comedic history uh, history channel documentaries. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, you know, any one of those documentaries that you'd see, but instead of interviewing people, they just show shots of celebrities. But Vice, I guess they spent all of their money on um, making Christian Bale look like that. <laughs> yeah. They did a good job. Um, he looks nothing like actual Dick Cheney. He just looks nothing like Bre- like Christian Bale. I mean, I think he looks close. <laughs> He looks exactly halfway between Christian Bale and Dick Cheney. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. A, like one of those blend-a-face. <laughs> His weird grandpa that he shares with Dick Cheney. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and, you know, like, the editing isn't as fast-paced as in Big Short. The, the filmmaking isn't as striking. Mm-hmm. The message isn't as clear. The tone isn't as funny. It just kind of takes itself a little too seriously in, like, criticizing Dick Cheney. This is a, a little spinoff, um, a little diversion. But what is your least favorite Oscars category? Least favorite Oscars like which one category? Goes to. <laughs> like, if, um, like, if you had to cut one, would you cut Best Picture? Or would you cut, like, one of the, like, best sound editing or i don't know i might cut best original song yeah that's the one that feels the weirdest like leave that to the grammys (laughs) you don't know what you're talking about yeah no right like the people who are voting on best original song they're not songwriters no typically not at all i would i think i would agree whereas like even a lay person can pretty much identify good makeup from bad makeup (laughs) i don't think you need that much expertise yeah i might be ready to see like best visual effects broken down somehow because like looking at the best visual effects right now i'm like none of these movies were actually very visually interesting or good yeah they just had a lot of budget and special effects (laughs) right i feel like best visual effects exists to get, like, Star Wars and Marvel movies, like, an Oscar, you know? I mean, sure, but, I mean, even, like, I'm looking at these, and I'm like, Christopher Robin. (laughs) 
Yeah. I'm looking at that movie. That was terrifying. And they don't even look like good puppets. No. Like, if you would use puppets, it'd be better. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't even look cute. Like, Winnie the Pooh looks like a grody, disheveled, awful piece of crap. Yeah. That I wouldn't Ready want Player in my home. Ready Player One looked like hot garbage, so I'm, like, shocked. Um, Ready Player One I kind of get, because, like, e- if mean, you're not I into that it. aesthetic, you know, you don't like that aesthetic, but it is big and very CG. is very big. Uh, yeah. You know? It's just so big. Mm-hmm. They put all of the characters in there, and they're all very detailed. I guess. But I get it, but I don't like, like it. And then yeah. Solo, a Star Wars story, it's like <sighs> literally no more visually striking than any other Star Wars film. It's right. It's very much less visually striking than any <laughs> other Star Wars film. For sure. And then you got like Avengers Infinity War. That one hopefully will win because Josh Brolin looked pretty good. <laughs> yeah. And there were some With good fight chin. scenes in that. There are some good set pieces. I mean, it definitely looked better than Christopher Robin. Yeah. Didn't see First Man. I imagine that the moon looks like the moon. Am I wrong? <laughs> yeah. I mean, looks here's exactly the, thing. the way the moon looks. Here's the thing. If I think if First Man wins, um, everyone's the moon landing was faked theories will be validated. <laughs> like not actually. I don't know if I don't know if that tracks, I, I but I, I'm I for it. I don't think. I don't think that's actually true, but I think people who have the moon landing was fake conspiracy theories will go, see, they can fake it. And then I'll go, see what? Because, like, are you saying that, like, visual effects now are good enough to fake the moon landing in the 60s? Yes. Because I've seen a lot of movies that take place on the moon (laughs) that don't look like they're on the moon. (laughs) Yeah. But anyway. Do you want to talk about the poor animation ghetto? And like, so there was one animated film that got nominated for Best Picture, I think, ever, and that was Beauty and the Beast. Really? Was Beauty and the Beast the only one? Yeah, I think so. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. Hold on. But it was definitely the last one because right after that, they created a separate category for an- Best Animated. But isn't the point and of then... expanding the the Best Picture to ten was so that they could include? Like some animated films. Who who said that? I don't know. Like forever ago, when they did that. Um, well, in any case, they added best animated picture because they were like, we're not honoring the animated pictures enough because Beauty and the Beast didn't win best picture, and then Disney like grumbled because they were like, man, now we're never gonna win best picture, and they're like, well, fine, we'll just take every best animated feature film for the next twenty five years, and then they did. Basically, I think um, at one point one of their dubbed movies won because it was Spirited Away, and then at one point one of their one of the DreamWorks movies won because I think it was Shrek. Yeah, Spirited Away did win. Um, hey, you know you can't win them all, but they win almost all of them. I think of the last like of all the best animated feature films, almost all of them have been Disney. Yeah. And it's going to be that again, probably. It's probably going to be Incredibles 2, even though it should be Spider-Man. Really? Over Spider-Verse? I think Incredibles 2 is going to win, because people like it. But people <laughs> we loved don't. Spider-Verse. Yeah, Spider-Verse hopefully will win. It, it, it deserves to win. I have hope. I've got hope. Maybe Isle of Dogs will win. It didn't seem like anybody liked it, so... It was fine. I don't think Mariah will win, even though it's Mamoru Hosoda. But this, Mariah is just all of Mamoru Hosoda's films again. <laughs> it's just yeah. like Wolf Children and The Girl Who Leapt Through Time, but at the same time. But what if they were at the same 
time. Yeah. Um, look it up. That's fair. Did you watch any of the foreign language films? I didn't. Watch Roma. Fell asleep. But... Okay, that's true. I watched Roma. I liked it. Um, my brother says Shoplifters is the best. Yeah. And he really liked Shoplifters. All right. But if Roma wins Best Picture and doesn't win Best Foreign Language Film, that'd be weird. That would be weird. Be a little confusing. But I think Roma will not win Best Picture and will win Best Foreign Language. Yeah. That's my prediction of yesterday. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean... One critique I always hear about best costume design at the Oscars is that it just always goes to a period piece when, Mm -hmm. like, there's actually so much work and effort that goes into, like, costume design on other shit as well. Yeah, what Um, about the person who designed the costumes in Isle of Dogs? (laughs) I don't, yeah, what about that's the person question. who designed it's, the costumes in Incredibles 2, Edna Mode? Oh my god. That is a question of costume versus animation. Um, yeah, like, animated feature is never going to win best costume, I tell you that much. Yeah, or best makeup and hairstyling. Right, even um, though everybody knows that um, uh, Wreck-It Ralph, his uh, eyebrow game's on fleek. <laughs> Yeah. Um, did you see Wreck-It Ralph? Two? No, I haven't seen one either. You should see both of them because they're both fantastic. Really? Uh, Wreck-It Ralph 2 did have a makeup tutorial in it. <laughs> Fun fact. Good to know. I should get into you can, that. You can look just like Wreck-It Ralph. Amazing. I'm ready for it. All right, what about Best Director? Which of these films in the Best Picture category, because almost all of the Best Director ones also went for Best Picture, yeah. which one of them... Is the best actual director? That is a good question. Let me get to that list. <laughs> Spike Lee has that dolly effect where the, they're floating. You know, the Spike Lee effect. Yeah. That's 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 classic. That's quintessential Spike Lee. That's a Spike Lee joint. Yorgos Lanthimos, he has that fisheye lens. Yes. And Alfonso Cuaron, I guess he like shot in black and white. It's boring and it's stupid. I hate it. And Adam uh, okay. McKay. Hey, hey, come on. <laughs> He's he's got some really great symmetry and like shot composition going on. Like it it was pretty. Like you could take a Blech. I thought it was very pretty. <laughs> black and I, white. I don't or see no. how you can even think like black and white stuff is pretty. Like I'm not a dog. I need color. Because the composition need... is nice and pretty. That's what I'm saying. It's like looking at a sketch. Just color it in. Get some oh my pastels. God. Whatever. I like colors. Um, I mean, I didn't see Vice, so can't comment. Same for Cold War. Yeah, I didn't see Cold War. I don't think anybody saw Cold War. (laughs) I don't know. I think, honestly, I would want Spike Lee to win for Best Director. He's the best. And he hasn't won one yet. Hey, guys, the the recording cut out, so we're going to just keep going. Yeah. Sorry about We're that. We're not going to try and pick up where we left off, because fuck that. Okay, sure. I felt like I was saying something, but maybe I'll remember yeah, later. Yeah, what were you saying? I don't remember, but maybe I will later. Um, all right, we, well, we were talking about Best Director. I was saying I liked Roma. You said you hated it. I said I think Spike Lee should win. You agreed. No one saw Cold War. That's it. That's it. That's, that's it. it. But what makes a director feel like an Oscar director? Like, you know, why don't we get any director props for, like, little tiny indie film directors? You know, why is it always these budgeted things? Well, I think a lot of that is just the politics of the Oscars themselves, you know? Right. Like, 
just you sort of buy yourself an Oscar a little bit. Like you do sure. a campaign, you do the marketing, you send the gift baskets, you send out like with the screeners. You know. But don't you think it's interesting? I think it's interesting that Black Panther gets nominated for Best Picture, but not for Best Director, when that is such Ryan Coogler's film. Yeah, that's true. You know? That's such a weird thing to me, where Ryan Coogler had a hand in the costuming, in the, you know, the the, the world building, the mm-hmm. visual effects, the the characterization, the acting, everything. He's such a hands-on director. He cares so much, and he made the most profitable, um, you know, Avengers movie, like, pretty much ever. Uh-huh. Or a Marvel movie, I mean. Yeah. And he gets, he gets like, oh, he gets some credit for it. It's, like, it's mostly Kevin Feige. Well, I think maybe because it's the thing where it's not art, you know, like you were saying, like. Right. But then why is it even on this list? I just, I don't get it. It's like, does Black Panther really have that much more artistic merit than, like, Guardians of the Gorelixy or, you know, Avengers 1? <laughs> I don't know. I would say yeah, but, like, I... What, what is that? What does artistic merit mean to you? Oh, David, artistic merit is anything you want it to be. You know, you okay. just have to write... so it's subjective. Yeah. You know... Like, that's the thing, is, like, all of this is very subjective, and the Oscars tries to make it seem like there is some sort of objective truth to it, and, like, I just don't think that's true. As critics, we have to believe that there's some kind of objectivity to the way that we evaluate films. If you evaluate it by a certain metric, then you're you're talking about something that's pretty inarguable. I think, also, as a critic, you have to understand that the critic next to you could be reviewing it based on a different set of criteria, and right, but that, I mean, I'm always very clear with my what my criteria are. Sure. Is that I like arcs. I like, I like solid arc. I like premise. I like lyricism. I like drama. I like emotion. Mm-hmm. And I like style. And I like, um, you know, homage and and pastiche a lot. Mm-hmm. So I like Black Klansmen. Basically, is what I'm saying. <laughs> yes, that is what you're saying. But you have to agree. Like, you also have to. No, I acknowledge that other people have other criteria. I just wonder what criteria puts Black Panther on there, but not, you know, <clears throat> any other Marvel movie that's ever come out. Because it's more or less the same genre. Sure. Um, what puts that on there and not Infinity War? I, well, I mean, I think Black Panther is a more focused story than Infinity War. You know, Infinity War is by nature sprawling. Right, but a lot of the Marvel movies are more focused than Black Panther. Really? Yeah, I'd say Iron Man 1 is an incredibly okay. focused story. That's true. Tell, but I wants to tell you one thing, <laughs> and that thing is that guns belong to the smart guy. And that's where they belong. And it's terrorists just not a best picture. are bad, but it's our fault also. The smartest man, or the richest, or both. I mean, the smartest man would be the richest man in the ideology of of America. Yeah. Usually, I I think an Oscar movie has some kind of message. It's usually something that makes people, usually white people, feel good about, which is why I think Green Book is on this list, you know? Um, I mean, that's very true. I mean, Green Book is very much like our generation's crash where it just tries to tell something profound about racism, 
but fails miserably. Yeah, just sort of in ends all up regards perpetrating that very same racism. Um, right. Yeah, like I think also things that qualify, like I think the Oscars does like weird, complicated films like The Favorite, you know, where. I mean, I guess for most of it, it's not complicated, but the ending scene, I don't know. I'm too stupid Wait, to understand it. Wait, what do you mean it. most of it wasn't complicated? The whole movie is well, about... Well, it's complicated, but it's just like, um, like you can follow the plot of it pretty fucking easily, you know? Well, that's the sign that it's a good movie. Sure, okay. <laughs> you should be able to follow the plot. But I'm saying, Shouldn't like... be confusing. I guess, yes. I don't know. Like, go, to go back to Moonlight, I feel so bad for picking on this film, because I don't hate it. I just didn't love it as much as everyone else did. And I, I'm trying to understand why everyone loves it and why I don't. Maybe I need to rewatch do you like, it. Do you like movies that are pretty? I do like movies that are pretty, but I didn't, I wasn't sitting there going, wow, this is pretty. Like it didn't strike me I as was, a pretty film. I was, when I saw Moonlight, I was like, this is the most pretty, <laughs> the most beautiful film I've ever seen in my life. And that was what I thought. And that's what I still But think. I had that reaction to Roma and you're like, bleh. It's you know? black and white. So it's what? black and white. It's flat. There's no depth to the shots. The lighting is boring. I don't uh, care. I don't care. I don't care. That's fine. But like, I had the same reaction to Moonlight. You know, like Moonlight. You can't argue the lighting's boring or the color doesn't work. It didn't I mean, work for me. Shit. It was boring to me. Like you know, like I this was vision of in you it. know of black faces. Like in this dim but very colorful light. I mean, that was yes. just, it was just gorgeous. And then you had the sound playing off of it where, you know, you would have transitions with sound where sound, like the song would blur into the next one and then the, the scene would transition. It was boom. It was, it just gets you. All right. I mean, like, here's the thing. I know I'm in the minority wrong opinion about Moonlight. Like, I, I accept that. But, like, I think because of that, I'm also, like, I understand why you don't like Roma and why I love it, you know? Yeah, but you're trying to say, like, I'm in the wrong opinion because everybody likes Roma, but I'm right and everyone else is wrong. No, so that's you're the not. Difference. Okay, great. Um, the difference between you and me is that I'm right and everyone All else is time. wrong. Great. Love hearing that from <laughs> white dudes. It's my favorite thing. What is um, it? Hey, you know? Like, uh, I calls them like I sees them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, can you explain the rabbit scene to me from the favorite? I'm an idiot, and I just don't get it. Okay, so it, it's uh, it's at least completely, you know, um, open to interpretation. Sure. At the very least, anyone can look at that scene and tell you what it means and be wrong. And that's what I like about it, personally. But also, the rabbit scene, to me, is about replacement. So when you see that she had these children who died and then she replaced them with these rabbits mm -hmm. who are all completely interchangeable. Mm -hmm. And she replaces you... one woman for another throughout the course exactly. of the film. And then replaces them back mm -hmm. and then replaces them back. front again. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, you know, people are replaceable. In the mm -hmm. system that's been developed. And so you can read that one of two ways. And I choose to read it both ways. Because I see The Favorite as being a movie about two dual themes that are separate and also connected. 
One is about relationships and power dynamics, and the other one is about politics. Uh-huh. And so the theme about politics being that in a society where everyone's scrambling for power, the people at the top can never trust anyone that they're talking to because they're treated like children, much like Donald Trump. <laughs> He's treated like a child. No one can tell him the truth because he'll just replace them with someone who will tell him the thing he wants to hear. Yeah. But then at the same time, it's also about relationships, because when you have a relationship that's a power dynamic is off, for example, like a boss dating an employee or Harvey Weinstein dating anybody, like <laughs> you end up with these issues where the person who is like in power doesn't even feel joy or happiness from the relationship because they can never truly know if someone actually loves them. Yeah. All right, cool. You explained the rabbit scene to me. I appreciate it. So that's the favorite. What's Roma about? You're gonna see. You're very good at coming up with these. Uh, what it's about off the top of your fucking head, and I always feel like I. But here's the thing. I don't, so I feel like I'm ill prepared. No, I think about this stuff a lot when I see movies. But when I see Roma, I think like this is a movie about class, right? I mean, I guess it's about class. It's about gender it's about like like i i would need to what watch is it, it again. saying about those things when i see it what i what i feel is it's like women and nature nature and women birth and nature and like a force of nature like a like an earthquake or a rainstorm or a fire <laughs> Or an ocean. Well, I, I think I fell asleep at that part. but <laughs> That was the very end. She saves the kids from the ocean. Well, there you go. You know, cries. it's like women in nature protecting children, a woman's protective. It's like, I don't know what it's saying exactly about those things, but it's definitely playing with imagery. Mm-hmm. But I like a movie where I can sort of draw something out. But here's something I like about Black Klansman is anybody, anybody can tell you what that film's about because it's very clear. It's not hiding anything. That's true. There's but no secrets in that film. None? Well, I mean, maybe there's like a secret. There's an Easter egg where like, oh, look, it's a reference to one of Spike Lee's other movies. Well, I mean, I don't mean that, but. I mean, <laughs> Black Klansman's very straightforward. Racism is a part of this country. It has always been a part of this country. It might always be a part of this country, but for sure, it ain't going nowhere soon. It's there, and it's dangerous. And that last montage where they're showing the news footage. Dude, I was not Heather expecting Heyer being that. hit by a car. I was not expecting that, and I, like, I obviously have heard an, about the incident, um, about her but getting never killed, seen the video footage? but I never, I purposely never watched it, because that's some disturbing shit, and I was, right. like... Flat Klansman needs some trigger warnings. Yeah. Um, yeah, it needs a trigger warning in the beginning, but, I mean, I guess you're going there to see, like, you know, Klansman imagery, yeah. like, you have to be ready for this shit to be reminded that it's not gone, Klansmen mm-hmm. are still here. Here. Yeah. The KKK is still has a lot of power. They're still saying the same shit. The exact same shit. I mean, if you look up like a documentary about the modern clan, it's like word for word. Um, and if you look at what Donald Trump is saying, it happens to line up a lot. Like, yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. yeah. Very close to the modern KKK. Who would have thunk? <sighs> but man, like, and that, that image of the upside down American flag and yeah. then it just fades to black and white. Mm hmm. 
I mean, when during like the Heather Heyer scene, I was I was definitely tearing up. I was yeah. crying because it was so real and it was so visceral. And on top of everything that we'd seen during the film, which worked so well. Yeah, to set us up for that. So like, I guess what we're talking about is that there's always some movies at, at the Academy Awards that get to you. Yeah. So it makes you think they're they're worth it. But is it a trick? Yeah. It might be a trick because also A Star is Born is there. And <laughs> there's a line in A Star is Born that's like, all I had was 197 acres of pecans, Navajo, and nowhere to go. Oh, boy. What kind of dialogue is that? Yeah. So, like, I don't know. It's interesting. So, like, there's the there's the Best Picture nomination, but then there's also the Best Original Screenplay and Best Adapted Screenplay. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it might be a good idea to divide those up because an adapt an adaptation has different expectations along with it. Like if Beale Street could talk, that movie is great, is golden. Mm-hmm. Barry Jenkins is a god. But like, I don't know if I'd give If Beale Street Could Talk best screenplay of uh, in and of itself because it draws so much from James Baldwin. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, absolutely. I, I think it makes sense to separate them, but it's just the writing. The writing is the best part of it, and the best part of it is the writing. But do you think people? Like, if a film is well enough acted, do you think people are able to really separate the screenplay from the film itself? Um, I don't think... I think that it's it's usually the reverse is true. I think that people don't know what good acting is because all they can see is good writing. Okay. That's... I mean, that's just my perspective on it. You can feel, feel free to disagree. But, like, I mean... I mean, you even said about, like, Black Panther, though. You were saying, like, the director and the actors managed to elevate an okay script. Wait, which movie did I say that about? Black Panther. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's definitely, like, possible to do. I think the script is just okay. But, like, Black Panther didn't get nominated for acting awards. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Like... When I see something like, okay, Nicolas Cage is an Oscar winning actor. What did he win for? He won an Oscar, Nicolas Cage did. For acting? Yeah, for Nicolas Cage is an actor. Oh, he won yeah. an yeah, Academy yeah. Award for acting. Yeah. He won an Academy Award for the movie Leaving Las Vegas and was nominated know. for Best Actor for Adaptation by Charlie, uh, Charlie Kaufman. So what that tells me is maybe Nicolas Cage is not that great an actor because yeah. when I look at him, I don't know what the fuck I'm looking at half the time. He's going crazy on the screen. Sure. But give him a good screenplay, and suddenly, oh, suddenly he's a great actor. Okay. When did this happen? Uh-huh. No, it's just a good screenplay, that's all. You just can't tell because he just reads the lines as written. Yeah. So that's the part that I think is hard to separate. But I, I, I agree with your point. Yeah, I, I think it goes both ways. You know, because, like, are they, are they passing around, like... I literally don't know. Maybe one of you listeners does, or you do, David. Do they pass around the actual script, <laughs> like when they're nominating this? No. <laughs> oh no! I mean, they just they just they just pick up on how good the writing is. I, I think you can easily see when writing is good. But I think acting tricks people a lot too. You know. Well, I just don't. I don't know. The favorite. Is just a good screenplay on like, paper. Did you like the writing? Roma's nominated for screenplay. Like, did you like that screenplay? Well, here's the thing. I'm not a native speaker. Um, I don't really understand the language that well. And as far as like the visuals, I will tell you this. The screenplay is filled with a lot of imagery, which yes. is not as common as you'd think for a good screenplay. 
Good screenplays are supposed to have a lot of imagery in them, but usually they, they don't because people are bad at screenwriting. But Roma <laughs> has a lot of imagery in it. It's yes. a largely a lot of the film is silent and it's just written mm-hmm. um, what the shots are supposed to look like. So that's probably a good screenplay. But is it the best screenplay? No, the best screenplay is the favorite because it's really good. Here's here's my question. I mean, maybe it's not. Maybe it is an original screenplay, but the Green Book is nominated. But it's based on, like, a guy's life. (laughs) Original should be in quotes. Yeah, like, I don't know. That, like, fucking Black Klansman is an adapted screenplay. Yeah, it's adapted. Well, no, I know, but it's it's because the guy happened to write a book about his life first, you know? like No, it would be adapted if it was based on real life at all, right? But then why is the Green Book an original? That's oh, what you're I'm right. Saying. You know, it has to be if they, it has to be literally based on a book or other work. You're right. Yeah, I, I'm, I was wrong about that. So like, it's just because Black Handsman, the dude wrote a book first, and this one, he's like, nah, I'll just skip right to right in the movie. <laughs> that we're here you know like i just think it's bizarre it is a little bit bizarre i'll 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 back you up on that one Um, noticeably absent from this podcast are going to be uh best uh documentary yeah i think you've noticed from watching this that we really like fiction mm -hmm. i don't think we've ever talked about a documentary film i also didn't watch any of the animated shorts um i watched bow it was uh on before oh well yeah i saw that one yeah bow is good i think bow is probably gonna win too i mean i think it's gonna win because it's the only one that anyone will have seen well i mean you're supposed to watch all of them yeah but there's definitely showings where you can go and watch all the shorts all in one go i mean it's notoriously like people really don't watch a lot like academy members really don't watch a lot of all of these you know people don't watch the animated feature either they just like what did my kids like exactly um which is why i think spider-verse has a chance because kids liked it it. kids liked incredibles too they did but their parents probably liked spider-man more maybe who knows maybe i'm wishing um um editing do you know anything about editing I wish I did. Because <laughs> good editing is invisible. Yeah. And that's the same thing with like a good, um, you know, sound mixing. Sure. You shouldn't notice best sound mixing mm-hmm. or sound editing. Also, no one on the entire, you know, academy knows the difference between sound mixing and sound editing. Mm-mm, probably not. Like three dudes do. Well, they're sound editors. <laughs> but Exactly. Like... All 20 sound editors, however many there are. Like, sound editing, A Quiet Place is on there. I I don't know if that had good sound editing or sound mixing. Yeah, I don't know the difference. The mixing is the important thing for A Quiet Place, it seems like, because you have to make it so the quiet things aren't too quiet to hear, Mm -hmm. and the loud things aren't too jarring. Yeah. Um, So that's super important. Sound editing... Probably seems like it should be more important for something like A Star is Born, where you have to cut between music and not music. But they're in opposite categories for some reason. So I don't fucking know. (laughs) I'm Um, no expert. Yeah. I think it's also interesting that this year, I I don't remember last year and previous years if this was the case or not, but they're like Roma was a Netflix film. Um, That's true. I think it might be the first Netflix film to be nominated for Best Picture. And the same thing for um, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs for Adapted Screenplay. Did you see that one? Yeah, that I found really boring and fell asleep in the middle of. Yeah, I I buy that because it doesn't have structure because it's just a series of vignettes and most of them are silent or quiet. Yeah. Um, I liked it. I liked the last one. I liked all of them a little bit. (laughs) 
I really but, liked like, the last not one. Not enough to like watch it again and like not enough that I think it works as a full film. Like this is as as someone who read a lot of short stories in college. Um I don't know how much short story reading was part of your curriculum. It was. Yeah, but mine was like ex- exclusively. Um I've come to sort of hate short story collections because they're never quite as satisfying as you want them to be. And I think that's the same thing for this movie because it's based on a short story collection. I mean, where there's like one or two. I disagree entirely because I love short story collections. That's fine. But I think that films are much closer to short stories than they are to novels. Yes, I would agree. If films are to short stories as books are to TV, I would sort of say. Yeah. And, you know, I think, I think you'll see that that kind of works out. And, you know, that's why a movie like Black Klansman, which is adapted from a book, is, like, completely different from the real-life story because you need to use a lot of shorthand. Mm -hmm. The thing I really wanted to talk about is uh, Oscar bait and what that is and the history of it and and how it's come to be recognized in in the modern culture. Mm -hmm. So what do you think makes a film Oscar bait and why is that a negative term? You know, what what is that to you? I mean, I think I was saying so earlier – like, you know, Oscar bait is it's some big name ass uh, it's some big name actor in like a historical role period or piece. yeah period piece of some kind playing some famous figure. Um, it's a story that disabilities disability like anything where white people or abled people or people in the majority get to feel good about having empathy for someone else. Um, who doesn't fit that, like, straight, heterosexual, white, able-bodied norm. It's liberal catharsis. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, There's, like, you have to cry during it at some point, probably. Like, you don't have to, but it's highly encouraged. (laughs) Um, I do like movies that make me cry. I will say that. I I think they tend to get also a a rep for being melodramatic sometimes. um, Comedic films rarely make it onto the list, but I feel like there's a good amount of comedy in the best picture category this year. Vice could very easily be read as a comedy, um, even though it's a little bit darker than um, Big Short. The favorite is a dark comedy, which Mm -hmm. is what Lanthimos is famous for. And then Black Klansman is extremely funny, and it's yeah. And Black Panther has its moments of comedy as well. Well, not really. I mean, I wouldn't call. It, yeah, what? You didn't laugh during that movie? Maybe I laughed, but like I, I wouldn't characterize it as a comedy. I know, but like it has. It's not Ant Man. It's no, not, it's not you know Iron Man two. But it has moments of levity, like, and I mean, like, whereas I would say Roma doesn't have so much, you know. A Star Is Born, the great yeah. comedic film where people die of alcoholism. Right, like I, you know, I'm not calling it a comedy, but it's not just. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I agree with all those things. I'd like to add a couple. Sure. Um, I mentioned it earlier. Overlapping dialogue. I, I want. I really want to belabor this point, you know, until it's just unbearable for everyone listening. Is that okay? So overlapping dialogue. People think it's hard to do. It's not. It's super easy. It's just. Can you explain what it is? Okay. So overlapping dialogue is in any movie where you have like a scene where the dialogue is coming out from different places and it's all 
overlapping at the same time. It, it's literally what it says. It's the dialogue so overlaps with other dialogue. So two people talking at once, like every sentence on this or podcast. Or more, two or more people. Uh-huh. In A Star is Born, this is often done when there's like a scene where there's a family sitting around a table and like the kids are making noise in the background and there's multiple conversations going on at once. And it's supposed to evoke this kind of naturalism because in real life, of course, we talk over each other. We don't wait for the other person to finish their line. Just like this podcast. <laughs> well, sometimes I'll, sometimes I wait, but usually I'll interrupt. Um, <laughs> oh, we're both guilty of it. No, no point, no pointed criticism. Like I'm just as guilty. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's overlapping dialogue. People think it's hard. You're saying it's not. No, because is it harder to direct? No, because you don't have to carefully worry about timing and who's in the shot and who's not. You just do a big, you know, wide. You, you shoot from the the main and and then you have a, a wide shot where everybody's talking at once. And then you don't have to worry about timing or anything because everyone's just talking at once. And it's not hard to write. You just literally write each line of dialogue separately and then type in parentheses overlapping. That's literally all you do. People think it's hard, like, oh, you got to write, like, part of the line, and then you got to, like, compose it like music. <laughs> no, you just write overlapping. I mean, is it is it hard to act? No, because you can just react in real time to, like, what people are saying. And, you know, you don't have to worry about, like, hitting your line exactly right because it's basically being drowned out by a bunch of other babbling idiots. Yeah. It's easy, it's cheap, and people do it all the time, and it gets people Oscars. It does. Look it up. Right. That's the only reason Star Wars Born is in there. Also, because people cried. Because <laughs> people cried. And there was singing. And people only cried because of the music. Yeah. Music can make you cry. It's like, it's very easy to do if you're a good composer. Do you have like a, a favorite example in your head of like Oscar bait movie? that it, That's pretending to be something, but is actually pretty vacuous and... Like, maybe has some overlapping dialogue. Theory of Everything got an Oscar, a Best Picture nom, right? Yeah, that was crap. I just saw that this year. That movie is not a, it's not even a movie. It's just like... No. It's just like a vanity project for Eddie Redman. Um, I, I really did not love it. I literally only went to see it because I like Eddie Redmayne. And then I was like, I don't know if I like Eddie Redmayne anymore. Now you don't like Eddie Redmayne. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's no good. Oh, he's great in uh, the mini series of Pillars of the Earth. I think Ian McShane is also in it. He's great in it. He doesn't talk at all. His character's like mute. It's the best. H- highly recommend. I'll have to check it out. But yeah, I think my favorite is, um, God, it's the Will Smith movies. Is it Seven Pounds? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Where he like kills himself so other people can live or whatever. And it's supposed to be like tragic i'm so glad will smith's oscar phase is over and now he's doing like blue man group genie man (laughs) this is so much more his speed oh yeah oh yeah this is like i mean say what you will and i will about (laughs) aladdin and the fact that will smith's back is horrifying Mm -hmm. People, people always talk about the face Look at his back next time you see like a screenshot of the genie. I agree. You you you've seen it, right? It's yeah. muscled and horrifying. Yeah, it's it's just the genie falls into such like an uncanny valley 
It's it's so bizarre. It's like But the back in particular, the back muscles. Like the guy who got fired from doing Thanos did this, you know? <laughs> People always compare it to Thanos. I mean Thanos looks fine. Exactly. He doesn't that's look like I'm, amazing. I, that's what I'm saying though. Like Thanos looks fine and this is the guy who like fucked it up and they're like, no, nah, get out of here. His back. You can go work on this. The back though. <laughs> Uh yeah, Will Smith don't give him an Oscar. He doesn't want it. He doesn't he doesn't want it hard enough. Um another thing for Oscar bait, they're usually late released later in the year, so they're closer to the actual Oscars, so they're fresh in people's minds. That's true. That's one of the reasons people are like Black Klansman's not going to win. People don't remember it. And I'm like, I remember it. Yeah. I will never forget it. It is good. I mean, if it it was one of those, I've been really bad about actually going to see a lot of movies this year. Most of the ones that I've gone to have been specifically so that I can talk about them on this podcast. Um, but like Black Handsman was one that I wanted to get to and didn't. And then I watched it for this podcast. Um, and I'm really sad that I didn't go see it earlier because it's great. I went and saw it with my one black friend and talked about being Jewish. Yes, yeah, that's, that's why. That's why I talked about it. <laughs> Wasn't out of nowhere. Uh, Wasn't yeah. this weird conversation where I was just like, we went to see Black Panther and also, we're driving home, and I go, I'm also Jewish. about being Jewish. <laughs> yeah. Um, other other Oscar Beatty things. Um, big monologues for the actors. Yeah, definitely. Monologues are seen as as Speeches. this pinnacle. You know, there's you'll you'll never see a clip. You know, when they show clips for best actor or best actress, mm-hmm. they'll never show a clip of someone being silent. Or reacting. I don't know. We might for um for Roma. We might. There's a lot of silent acting in that. That's true. Yalitza. She did, she did a really good job. I, I, you know, I, I don't think any of the movies that are on here are, like, poorly made. I should, I should point that out. There's always, like, yeah. a lot of craft to just, you know, when you have that budget, making it look clean, making it look nice, making it look un, you know, un... Effortless. Making it look effortless. Yeah. Making it look, making it look clean. It's just so mm-hmm. important to these films that where there's no cuts that are wrong. There's no, like, shots that are just, like, off. There's no, like, lighting that ruins a shot. They're just clean good movies where you know like i imagine like the cinema sins people having a lot of trouble pointing out like plot holes in these films really i bet they could do it they well they would make them up which is what they do when they can't find them but i mean like it's hard to find like blatant errors and mistakes in these films they're just free of mistakes and maybe that there is value to that to reward that but maybe we yeah. could just have a generalized maybe. Oscar awards. No one wins best picture or any of that shit. Everyone just gets a good job medal. <laughs> we we do like high school superlatives. I'm I'm of the millennial generation. I want 100% participation medals. Participation awards. Uh, I, like, I don't know. I, I think, not that I think the Oscars do a good job of this. I think people's perception of them is like, listen, I only have so much time and so much money. Tell me what films I should go see. 
you know. Yeah, but you could just read you could just read the trade papers or, you know, go to the But that's so much effort, David. I I'm too lazy for that and or don't have time for that. Well then you could just watch YouTubers who make bad faith criticisms or listen to podcasts like ours. Yeah. I mean, sure, but, like, I want the official, what good movie is this? <laughs> What's the good ones? What good movie? Where is it? Tell me good, where get now. We we didn't, we, have, we spent this whole time, and we didn't really touch on the fact that this particular Oscars is such a travesty because of the, like, lack of a host and the fact that they tried to get, yeah. they tried to get Kevin Hart, and he was like, uh, you know, never mind. Twitter nonsense. Yeah, I mean, like... It's hard to find, like, a comedian who's never had, like, a bad tweet or, like, a joke that went over, you know, didn't age well. Poorly. Um, yeah. Probably Kevin Hart did hold some pretty, like, dangerous sentiments that he did share with a lot of people. That being said, I mean, I don't think he's probably as homophobic now as he was. Probably not. It's, it's, a, it's a one of those things, you know? Um, maybe we just don't have any hosts for anything from now on. I'm really interested to see how this went yesterday. <laughs> how did this how did this go? Did you guys like it? Yeah. Um my plan is to live tweet the Oscars from our Talking okay. Tropes account. Please do that so I don't have to. Yeah. So if if you want to well, no wait, this is out already. All right. Hopefully you interacted with us. <laughs> yeah, I hope you did. Um, we're gonna we're gonna have done it anyway. Yeah, you can go see what my real time thoughts were regarding all of this uh, <laughs> yesterday. Jeez, beautiful, so good. We planned this great. <laughs> we're so good at community interaction. We're like the best at audience engagement ever. We should have just released this on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. In conclusion. Uh... Roma is not as good as Alfonso Cuaron's other film, The Prisoner of Azkaban. <laughs> I am going to die now because I just can't with that sentence. The Green Book is worse than all books. Uh, yes, I'll agree with that one. The Green Book did more harm than Mao Zedong's Red Book. Oh my god. All right, getting very inflammatory now. Um, thank you so much for listening to our rambles on the Oscars. Tell us what you think the most Oscar baity movie you've ever seen is. Um, you can tweet us at Talking Tropes. Uh, you, you can find our Patreon also at Talking Tropes. Yep. We'll see you guys next week with an episode about Groundhog's Day. No, it's just about groundhogs. Yep, that's it. We're just going to talk about rodents. It's a, we're a biology podcast. We're a zoology podcast now. So next week, groundhogs. you guys can talk to us about Groundhog's Day. <laughs> All right, catch you on the flip. Bye, guys. <laughs>